Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. And today we're going to be talking about how to become your own boss with Carrie Delise, financial coach and online business strategist. If Carrie's name sounds familiar, it's because she was one of the panelists on our Side Hustle Summit too, which just wrapped up October 30th. We had over 160 people register for this event. Thank you so much for your support. We cannot believe the amazing success that we had with this event, and we can't wait to bring you more events. So if you want to stay on top of all of the amazing things that we are cooking up here at Yo Quiero Dinero, definitely follow us on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. Follow our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com. Subscribe to this podcast. Share, rate, review, subscribe. Do all the things, y'all. I mean, we're even on TikTok, so come and hang out with us there too. Now, back to the episode. Carrie Delise is a financial coach and business strategist who works with women to become their own sugar daddies. Carrie began her career in e-commerce over a decade ago, and in 2009, she began doing financial coaching in New York City as a volunteer, and that was where her finance journey began. She knew she had to get her financial shit together, and her wake-up call came when she moved in with her boyfriend, now husband. After ignoring the truth of her money situation, she realized she had over $70,000 in debt. 
So let's learn how Carrie got her finances in order, quit her corporate job to start her own business, and how she now helps women become badasses with their money. One more big announcement before we get into today's episode. We are officially launching Side Hustle Moguls, our new digital business academy. Side Hustle Moguls is our exciting new education platform for aspiring entrepreneurs like you to learn the skills you need to take your dreams and turn them into real products and real companies. We're excited to provide you with all the tools you need to start a successful side hustle that you can scale so you can finally achieve the financial freedom and independence that you deserve. To stay in touch with all of our updates, find out about our launch date, follow us on Instagram at Side Hustle Moguls, and sign up on our wait list at SideHustleMoguls.com. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. One, because you're a Jersey girl like me, and two, because you have a dirty fucking mouth just like me too. <laughs> I love it. Birds of a feather. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, everyone. My name is Carrie Deliz, and I am a um, an online business strategist and a financial coach. So I work with my clients in two ways to get their businesses up and running online and then to increase their profitability, both in their business and their, um, you know, in their personal finances. And in a nutshell, I just like to call that being your own sugar daddy. Mm, I love that. And I think You know, when people think about entrepreneurship, they think of like all the magical shit, like, oh, I get to be my own boss. I get to make my own money. But you actually need to figure out how to be profitable. Otherwise, you're just running a business that's going to fail. So we're going to get into all of that. But I want to start off with how you kind of got into this space, what your background, your career trajectory looked like, and how you got to where you are today. All right. So my my career trajectory, it's funny, it actually did start with um, some level of, you know, finances in the picture. So I was in economics undergraduate major. And um, I, at the time, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And this was like 12 years ago. And, um, you know, I was uh, interning for a nonprofit that was like a consumer advocacy uh, nonprofit in New York City. Before financial coaching online was like a really, you know, a really big um, area of expertise. And I did mostly like volunteer work. And, you know, I I kind of figured out that I was like, all right, I don't know if I really want to be a lawyer. It's not like uh, law and order or anything like that. Um, So I ended up going into um, e-commerce and I really, you know, I fell in love with the online space and I, uh, I worked for a major company for a little over five years and then went out on my own. Um, I had an e-commerce store of my own with a partner for about two and a half years and was just like, you know what? The best part about this is the website and I really, you know, miss the, um, the, the really digging into like my own finances and, and supporting people in that way. Cause I was able to, to figure that out in my business, but I still had this like urge to be like, what do other people do when they leave their jobs and they don't have a 401k. And I also had my own financial shit to, uh, to untangle. So that is like the kind of try to make it <laughs> as a, as a, you know, a straight line as possible. Got it. Okay. So there's so much in what you just said. So first, my first question to you is what, when you say e-commerce, what does that mean? 
So we, so yeah, uh, I worked for a travel company and it's a booking.com. It used to be Priceline. And um, we sold, basically we sold hotel rooms on the internet. So anything e-commerce for me is, you know, any sort of transactions of, um, of some sort of goods, I guess hotel rooms are, are could be considered goods um, that can be done online. So Amazon, um, you know, any of the, the 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 big online stores, I guess like Nasty Gal and all those kind of um, those vendors. Booking.com is that for uh, hotels. Got it. Yeah. So I think e-commerce is definitely the way of the future. It allows people to open businesses literally from your house. All you need is like a computer and an idea hopefully an idea that makes money. And it's funny because I work for a major consumer goods manufacturing company, and I feel like it's only in the past like three years that they actually are thinking about like e-commerce and like the experience that customers have online with their products because they're like always been so heavily focused on the big box stores and people coming to physically get their products. And I think the pandemic has had a big impact on businesses large and small, because they're like, yo, I still need to sell stuff, but people aren't really trying to leave their house. So how do we fix that? And so e-commerce is like a totally big buzzword right, right now, I think, when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yes, totally. And then there are, um, you know, really wonderful companies in the space like Shopify, which provide, you know, that that's my whole wheelhouse, Shopify. Um, I do some work in like WordPress and Squarespace, but primarily my work is in Shopify. And I mean, it's really, it can be a business in a box, you know, when you're first starting out. And um, they also have like an insanely on fire stock with, uh, with the pandemic. And, you know, they're like a really nice company. They're Canadian. When you call their customer service, they're like amazing. They work in integrity. So I think they, they just have like such a, a, an opportunity to lead the charge and, and support businesses to like get them online. Cause it's really, it's not rocket science. It's not the easiest mm -hmm. thing in the world. Cause it's so different. I'm sure as you're experiencing in your, in your job, like it, it, it is really different, but once you get it, when, once it's set up, it's like, how did we do things any other way? Absolutely. Okay. So you have a really interesting story, which you started to touch on in your intro. So basically you worked in industry for a while and you decided to go off on your own. And we're going to get into more details around like your self-employment entrepreneurship journey. But you also mentioned that you had financial shit in your personal life that you had to also work past in order to really be living your best life financially in all of these different aspects of your life. So can you talk us through some of that shit you were trying to work through? Oh, yes, I can. And you know, Janice, I realized I'm like, you know what? I haven't really gone in depth in depth about mm. that story. So there is one big major detail that um that I'm going to include in this because it's it's helpful, I think. So when I left my job, a long story short, I dated my now husband for about two and a half years. We dated, he, he lived in the U.S. and then he was like traveling and then he moved back to the U.S. to be with me. So we worked for the same company and I was like, you know, we don't want to work together and live together. Um, so I'm going to, you know, start doubling down on my 401k. I'm going to save for an emergency fund. And then I'm going to save for like six months of figuring my shit out, figuring out your FU money. Yes, my FU money. And I did have quite a, you know, a FETS 
sum of um, student loans. I had over $50,000 in student loans. But, you know, I w- it was manageable. Like, it really was. It was only like $150, $180 a month. It sucked, but, you know, it was, it was manageable. It wasn't going down fast enough, but, you know, it wasn't the worst. Um, so I had that mapped out, and I had a pretty good game plan. But, you know, he and I hadn't gone, you know, at length into detail about finances, which would have been fine. But when I left my job about two weeks later, I had an envelope in the mail from the IRS that I was being audited and I owed them over $10,000. Oh my God. So yeah, I don't talk about this too much. I think I'm traumatized, but now I feel like, so there's a happy ending. Um, So, you know, I had everything figured out and this is, I think something that we all try to touch on on Instagram, right? Is like this game of like whack-a-mole that we play with our finances. Like if you get one area in order, you kind of have to make sure that everything's in order because that kind of threw everything off, right? And I was like, well, I have to start faking, you know, making money now and I have to like pay half of the rent and pay half of these things. And, you know, when, when it came down to it and I don't try to tell people how to like be with their money and figure their shit out, you know, for he and I, the thing that made sense was to like, combine some of our finances and let me double down, get some of this balance down, fucking figure out if I actually owe the IRS this money. And in the meantime, I had to act like I did, right? Like you're kind of guilty until proven innocent. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we made a decision to like, okay, I'm going to put X amount down. We're going to start paying, you know, I had to like double down on my plan that I kind of planned on doing for like, I don't know, five, 10 years. I was like, Oh, you know how it is with student loans. Um, so I, we like hacked our way. It was a a wobbly first, like six months is our first time living together. (laughs) He moved here from outside of the country. Um, and you know, it, it really ended up being the smartest thing to do to like get that for me to be able to just like double down figure that piece out, hire a professional to take care of the IRS situation. But that took, my debt probably took a little bit over a year to pay down, but the IRS audit, that lasted like a year and a half. And I didn't end up being on the hook for my money um, because that's what happens when you hire professionals. Mm. (laughs) That's really interesting. So I'm curious because a lot of people have anxiety about talking about finances with their partners. I think it's like they say, you know, money is one of the top reasons why people get divorced. So what advice would you give to people who are like, damn, I want to talk to my partner about money, but I don't even know like how to approach this in a way that's not going to be like a freaking shit show. Yeah. You know, it really was challenging. I mean, he moved here from the Netherlands, right? Uh, like he didn't move from the town over, (laughs) you know, also we had been together in both, you know, long distance and from a uh, long distance and in the same city for nearly three years. Like, you know, I, I, we knew each other. Um, and this was really something that I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll have it figured out. But when we were trying to like figure out you pay this much, you pay that much. It was just like the smart thing to do we both knew was kind of like, let's just like double down. The The debt will be mine to pay off. But like, if you're paying a little bit more on the rent and I'm doing grocery, like whatever, we're going to figure out how to make this be like as equitable as possible. But my commitment was that he was not paying down my debt. 
right? Because, like, you know, I had a thing that I was like, well, I want to figure that part out. And like, we did all this stuff where we had a separate bank account and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you know, we knew for ourselves, because it's a personal decision, we're like, look, he didn't move over here because I was going to be his forever girlfriend. And that we didn't want to be sitting here, you know, splitting hairs over like a check at dinner. But that's like a personal decision to come to. So what I would say um, is really, look, what, what what I would really say is have the conversation because if the conversation around money is what's going to make them run, it probably was not going to work out anyway. True story. That is the fucking truth right there. <laughs> like, and, and you know, people are like, oh, but that's bullshit because like this person had $100,000 debt. I'm sorry. That's conditional love then. Mm. You know, you, 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 we don't just like so easily throw our hands up and be like, you know, oh, I'm done. Like if you're committed to figuring it out, commitment is something that you do, not when you feel like it. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta be like fucking in there. And I was like, look, my commitment is that you don't have to take care of the debt, but like, yeah, sometimes you may be paying more on something than the other. And he was like, that makes more sense than like us trying to sit here and split like little dollar amounts up. Also, look, I was coming to the table with like, I, you know, my game plan around like, you know, my 401k, my emergency fund, my startup for my business fund. So I wasn't just here like, hey, I'm flat broke, help me. Right. And, you know what I mean? Like there, there was also um, something, something else, figuring out how to navigate our financial system and like walk him through that. Because mm, he's coming from another country. So he's like, what the hell are you Americans doing? Because y'all are batshit crazy. Yeah, he's like, um, well, we're normal. And we pay like $20 a month for our phone. And we pay like 0.01% interest for college. So I guess I need some handholding. We actually just wrapped up the green card process. Mm. So that was another that was very expensive to have a lawyer because trust me, I learned with the IRS, I'll get me a lawyer for my green card for my Facts. and with the Trump administration in place. Yeah, you can't be messing with uh, immigration right now. No, no. So we that we were in the throes of that for almost two years. So, you know, we've had our, our, our fair share of like financial things to go through together. And that first one really prepared us, you know, well, to, to, to to double down and, and operate as a unit. Absolutely. Yo, like these vows that we take are not supposed to be like a joke, like for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Like if you think that debt's the worst thing you're going to deal with in a marriage, Ooh. girl, you better get your whole ass life together because you ain't ready to be married. Okay. Exactly. Ready. <laughs> Have a long-term boyfriend. I will not knock you for that. Like marriage is hard as shit. It's worth mm. it. Um, but it's hard as shit. Especially when you're quarantining together and you are like team 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, there are, I see no lies, no lies at all. So, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that advice. That's fantastic. And I think it's something that like more people need to talk about because, you know, when you're trying to build a legacy and build wealth, like if you have a partner that's not down with that shit, it's going to be a lot harder. You're like trying to row up like a river against the current and it's not going to work. Exactly. And you know, it set us up. It set the ground floor in place for us to start pursuing fire together for uh. us to like figure out because, you know, what we what like our long term goals were conversations about like where we want to live and really like doubling down on it. And like now our life is so fucking different because of those decisions that we made, you know, five years ago. Um, 
And then also like the fear that we have around like spending money, which, you know, you and I talk about that. We're like, look, we like nice things. My dog needs to be laced. I mean, <laughs> champagne. Um, you know, I, it was, there, we, we walked into getting a lawyer, like, and not, I mean, look, there's a certain level of privilege, but not from a, a, a pompous place that we were like, I'm happy to give this motherfucker my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take the money, please. Like, I, I, I'm so grateful that we could like afford it. And, you know, it, it just, it, it opened up those conversations for us, which are so crucial right now. Because I told you, like, you know, he's been furloughed. And then I had the drama with my Instagram, which is a client, you know, generating channel for me. So I'm really glad that we like back then we're like, wow, this is awkward and messy and embarrassing. And we're going to do it anyway. Absolutely. It is the ultimate like sign of love, I think, to be vulnerable about your whole shit. And that includes your money. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So it sounds like y'all are in a place where you know what you want. You're doing what you need to do with your money, but it all, it wasn't always like that. Right. What was your relationship like with money growing up? Hot mess express. (laughs) You know, I have, um, I have very smart, you know, parents and grandparents, but there was always just the like fear of God kind of conversation around money. Like you gotta, like, you know, there's not enough of it. And when there is, you cannot touch it and put it in a savings account. And then, you know, I could see there was always stress around money, even though my mom would kind of act like she had her shit together. <laughs> you, know, you could pick up on, like, you know, I remember clearly one year <laughs> we were going out for my birthday and she only wanted to go to, like, this one restaurant. And I, look, I was 16, I was a brat. And I was like, I, but I don't even eat the food from there. And my stepfather was like, you know, why are you riding her so hard about going to this place? She's like, because I have a fucking coupon to go. <laughs> Yo, mom is the thrift queen from yeah. day one. Yes, for sure. And, you know, she's, she's gotten like so much better with that. She's still cheap as hell and like very proud of it. And I'm like, great, more power to you. As long as I don't have to worry about you in retirement, be, I'm, I am so happy that you're cheap. Um, but it was just always like such a fucked up, you know, uh, paradigm around money that it was like money is and everything. But then when they had it, they were really happy. Um, or we can't afford that. But then there was like money for like things that I was like, we can't afford that. Like there was never like contextualizing, right? Like we can't afford that right now, but here's what we're going to do towards it. Mm. Um, until I was like a teenager. And then I think my mom kind of tried to play catch up. You know, because when you think back, I'm like, well, she was probably in her late 30s, early 40s, or no, mid mid 40s, and was probably starting to just take her money seriously. Like, we forget mm-hmm. that our parents are still growing up, too. And, you know, and then I was like, why is she, like, slamming the brakes on me and, like, trying to talk to me about, you know, this, this other way of being with money? Um, which was more like, oh, have your money work for you. But, like, no one ever told me what that meant. They were just kind of like, you don't want to work for your money, have your money work for you. And I was like, okay, cool. How do we do that? And it was like, there was no Google. It was just like, well, you're a smart girl, go figure it out. So it was a lot of like, you know, that just hardcore boot camp all the time. Like it just always had to be hard. That, yeah. Like a set, not, it just always I'm, had to be a struggle. I'm curious if you kind of had the same experience as me where like there was a very prescriptive idea of what success was. Like you need to go to college, you need to get a good job, you need to buy a house and then quote unquote, you've made it. Yes, for sure. Like my mother, when she was in 
high school was accepted to pre-med at Columbia University. And she, she always downplays it. She's like, well, they needed to fill like quotas. And like, I was like smart, but not that smart. Like there was that, you know, not like owning it kind mm-hmm. of thing. And she didn't end up, she didn't end up sticking with it. Cause she was like, I just wasn't cut out to be a doctor. And like, it wasn't my thing. She was more like a hippie kind of, you know, person. Um, but still it, it, you know, it ended up being that it was like, first she was a teacher and then she was a nurse, right? Like, so the job that women are expected to have and, you know, doting and, you know, well, well educated, but like, I'm like, yo, you paid, you know, you pay all this money for school and like teachers, it's, you know, we, we don't treat teachers very well. Historically, we never have, um, financially. So yes, it was still like, yeah, but you know, you, you should look at those things, something reliable, something mm-hmm. you can count on a good name, you know, on your, uh, on your resume for a school that you went to. And, you know, I bought into it for a while. Um, but I've always like had a rebel heart. So it just like never fucking worked. <laughs> like, yo, you sound just I like know. me. Like, I feel like we are kindred spirits in that. No, I do too. I do too. You know that. I tell you that. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're like, you know, twin flame kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, like, you know, you're in this corporate setting, but you're thinking and dreaming about doing your own thing. So, like, what was that transition process like for you? What was your game plan? You know, it's funny because it, it's, um, I, I didn't have a vision of me with my own business per se, but I just was like, I want to work for like a really innovative startup, right? I wanted to mm. get in on a ground floor. So when I left corporate, you know, really exciting startups were starting to employ people like Airbnb and Uber. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So mm. I went to take, um, when I left, I just knew that I was like, I can't have a fucking boss who's going to be so bought into the lie. Because I, you know, I'll never be able to be enrolled. I'm always going to be looked at as sort of like a pain in the ass at work. Yeah. And you know, I grew up kind of like the loud mouth, the pain in the ass. And like you carry that around. I'm like, I just don't know if I'm going to fit in anywhere because I'm always like mouthy and whatever else. Um, which is fine. I really like that about myself. But I'm like, I can't do it for 40 years. <laughs> um, so I was, I, I took some classes, some like digital marketing classes and I met my mentor. She taught us Facebook ads class and I was like, yo, people like her exist. So she was like 25 years old and had her own digital agency and doing Facebook ads and like totally worked on her own. And I was like, can I take you out to dinner? Cause I just want to learn more about like this thing that you do. So from there, that's when I started being like, damn, I, you know, maybe I could like have my own business. That's when I met my partner and um, my business, my first business partner. And she, she had this really cool boutique by my apartment and it wasn't online. And I was like, um, you know, I just started learning Shopify and WordPress. And she was like, do you want to like, literally we had met like three times, but we, we hit it off and she's like, do you want to be my business partner? And like with the web shop. And I was like, all right. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It was kind of fucking crazy thinking back. <laughs> Um, but you know, it, whatever it, it, it ended fine. It wasn't like it didn't end in like tears or anger. It just was not, like I said, I liked the website the most. I didn't want to really do the tending to customers and sourcing clothing. I was like, I want an all digital business. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't have much of a vision for myself when I was in corporate. I, I just was like, I, I knew that it needed to be something that was less like stodgy and uptight. 
where I could like be myself. And then when I met my mentor and my first business partner, I was like, dude, these girls are like four or five years younger than me and they're doing it. Like how, why wouldn't I be able to do it? Got it. Okay. So after that first experience with your first business partner, then how did you transition into what you do today? So she and I, we both kind of realized like we were just not a lot. It took like two years and you know, we, we did some really cool shit together, but it, it was very clear that she wanted to do like a lot of the, the sourcing and be in there with, you know, the, the kind of traditional um, e- e-commerce physical goods store. And uh, I had gotten really good at like Shopify and Squarespace. I was doing some coding and I was like, I, I kind of was like, well, I could make money and also like I need to make some money. You know, because I wasn't doing that um, anymore. And I was like, let me just try to get my first client. And there was um, some leadership classes that I was taking, just like, um, you know, working on myself. And there was a therapist in there. And I was like, hey, um, you need a website. (laughs) And she was like, you're right. My website's really bad. And then from there, I just was, you know, getting clients pretty consistently. And the conversation was still really uh, present for me in those conversations, like people wanting to make more money and wanting to increase their profitability and talking to like my friends, my family. Now, during all this time in the background, Isaac and I have been really doubling down, learning more about fire, um, you know, uh, figuring, really understanding our benefits, um, getting a financial advisor, making bigger investments. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to do this like forever. And I'm like, I'm going to build it up the same way that I had, you know, with my getting my first web design client that I'm like, I'm going to work with women to get their financial shit together. And uh, the the same way that like, you know, uh, people would ask me about digital, it would start, I'm sure you get the same thing like, hey, I don't understand my 401k. I don't understand my health insurance. I don't understand this thing. And you're like, okay, this is my signal. This is like my smoke signal that uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. So your initial clients, were they like word of mouth or were you advertising? Like, how did you go about actually getting clients? So my initial web design clients, those were primarily word of mouth and yeah. So like referrals and people that I knew. Mm -hmm. And then for my first, um, my first few financial coaching clients, one was, one was a referral and one was, um, you know, had found me online. Uh, another was somebody who saw my, you know, my hyperlink on someone's website and they're like, Oh, you do, you know, you do this. I saw, you know, they're like, I want to learn profit first and I want to do Shopify. And I was like, all right, perfect. This is kind of sort of getting somewhere, you know, because I think there's also like the, when you do a couple of things, people are like, what do you do? I like made a TikTok the other day that I'm like, I'm just going to tell everyone I'm an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) That's easier, right? <laughs> I'm like, if I try to explain profit first and getting your financial shit together and strategies to increase, you know, your profitability of your sales online, that's like a lot of words. <laughs> Yo, it's true though, because like I always talk about, I have like nine, I think maybe 10 income streams at this point. I fucking lost count. But it's just like, then people are asking like, what do you do exactly? I'm like, listen, girl, we could be here all day. It's not about like, you know, that you got to have one income stream. Like that's, first of all, that's reckless. Like, especially with everything we're seeing from the pandemic, like right now is not the time to be relying on any one income stream to be paying your bills. Cause that shit can be snatched right out from under you. And then what? Yeah. Okay? 
But especially as an entrepreneur, like you have to know the art of pivoting. Because if you had a physical storefront boutique that all of a sudden was shut down for six months because of a fucking pandemic, you still need to make money, right? So now you got to be like, oh, I got to get online. I have to be able to sell things via e-commerce. And I got to worry about shipping stuff. Like entrepreneurship is the art of pivoting, if you ask me. Like if I had to summarize it in one sentence. No, it it certainly is. And, you know... um, it, it's it really makes sense now now that I'm on to like you know a few people who I've done both profit first um, and you know Shopify product optimization with it really makes sense that they're like hey at some point you start to notice your profit margins are kind of slim and you want to optimize things and then you get into conversations where they'll see my Instagram and they're well my old Instagram um they'd be like I I want to start investing I want to have my business have like an emergency fund I want to you know get really empowered around these conversations so they do make sense once you're in the in the weeds and people start to learn I think the world that that you and I are in it's so new for so many people Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I, as far as everyone's concerned, though, who asked me too many times what I do, I'm like, I'm a fucking accountant. <laughs> <As> <laughs> That's all you need to know. Concerned, I'm an accountant. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so you mentioned profit first. Can you talk about what that actually means? Yes. So profit first is basically, so you know, like the white envelope system of budget, mm-hmm. kind of old school, um, or separating all your bank accounts to have, you know, one for your bills, one for your play money, one for your investments. It is like that, but for your your business finances. Um, okay. So, you know, there, you know, when you get paid, you need to take your taxes out, um, and you need to keep them somewhere so that you're not spending them. You've got to have an owner's draw. So really what the system is, it's based on, um, it's based on creating like five to six business accounts, one for your owner's draw, one for your expenses, uh, one for taxes and one for profit. So those are, yeah, four. And you kind of, you can divvy them up by percentages. I'm, I'm doing this like off the top of my head without my Excel spreadsheet to explain it as best as I can. Um, but basically, you know, say that you make $10,000 a month and you're like, I want to pay, you know, I'll take 50% to pay myself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. 5,000. I will take 2,500 to, you know, do 25% to my um, expenses, 15% to my taxes, and then 5% for my profit. So you want all those numbers to add up to 100%. And then you could play with them. Some months you may need to pay yourself more and, you know, cut down on expenses. Some months you may just not be profitable. You know what I mean? Like you may have like a cash poor month if you, it was one where you're making a lot of investments. Um, so it really is just a way for you to give all of your dollars a job and tell them what to do instead of worrying like, where did they go? That makes so much sense. And I feel like, you know, it's easy to understand that concept when you're talking about your personal budget. But then when you're talking about a business and there's like so many moving parts, I think that that makes so much sense because then you actually start understanding like what's coming in, what's going out versus just like waiting for the money to come in and then trying to figure out where to put it. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it really does what can happen, you know, and I'm not sure if this is your experience, but I know for me, like the first couple of months, I was like, I wanted to have every cool thing for my business after like I had the basics. Mm. Oh, I want to try this out. I want to try that out. And it's like, you know, you can get shiny object syndrome just the way we do, you know, shopping and yeah. buying shit. And, you know, you don't want it to be at the cost of like being able to pay yourself because if you don't have you know, uh, an owner's draw, you don't really have a business. Right. Otherwise you have an expensive ass hobby, <laughs> sis. And, and the IRS will only let you report a loss two years in a row. So, um, so you have two years to get your business profitable or what? Um, I, you know, I don't know, or whether it's like an urban legend amongst, you know, tax professionals. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's like after two years, they, they'll just consider it a hobby. Um, yeah. well, I mean, what you could do is just like end your LLC and start a new one. Mm -hmm. You know, when I asked my accountant, I'm like, so what, what do people do in that instance? Cause sometimes profit first is just not realistic. If you have a lot of employees, it's fucking hard. You can't just tell them I can't pay you this month. Right. You know, the person who's going to take the hit on the salary will be the owner. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that like after two years, it's considered a hobby and you may need to just like start a new LLC or just make yourself profitable. Yeah. So I'm curious, what's like one major mistake that you see a lot of new entrepreneurs making, especially when it comes to managing their money? Um, shiny object syndrome, yeah. um, you know, just, just wanting to like spend on things that are like only aesthetic driven. Like I'm all about having a good looking website, 
but like one that converts, right? Like it doesn't just need to be good looking. It needs to have some bones to it that gets it, you know, to, to have people take action and actually buy from you, um, you know, or like doing, you know, shit like buying followers on Instagram. I'm like, they're, you know, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're never going to be able to sell to these people. Um, so I think those are, those are some of them. And then like, I think all of us struggle in the beginning with being visible. No, like, it's just like, oh, God, I don't want to, like, get on here and like, I was so mad about, you know, my my drama with Instagram, because I'm like, fuck, I'd start over again. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I'll get on camera and whatever, I'll curse and be whatever, I don't care. But even still, when I had to, like, start over again, and, you know, go back at it, I'm like, oh, God. So yeah, because you feel like the momentum was gone. You you feel like the momentum's gone, and you, you know the the like the the head trash that we all have. Your mindset it's, it's going to kick up. It's going to mm-hmm. kick up and be like, oh, why are you even bothering to do this again? This is stupid and blah blah. You know whatever whatever your internal dialogue is that's discouraging. Um, and I don't have any inspiring words around it. Just like fucking do it. Eventually, <laughs> we're just gonna have to do it. I can't really inspire. It's it's not that scary. It's not that bad. And something really empowering is that nobody's thinking about you. So it's hurtful, but it's also like whatever. Everybody's yeah. doing their own thing, so no one's really hung up on what you're doing. I love that. So I'm curious because you said like, you know, your, your mom kind of values this like comfortable, stable lifestyle. And clearly that was not what was cut out for you. So did you have any kind of internal obstacles when it came to declaring that you were going to leave the corporate world? And like, were you afraid of how your family was going to take that? How did you manage that? Oh my God. We still, my mother still is like, what are you doing? (laughs) Do you ever think about going back? I'm like, mom, I could literally be like on the cover of Forbes and my mom will be like, but I still don't understand what she's doing. (laughs) She's just like a pain in the ass. Um, So I have a constant internal dialogue. Like I love my mom, but I can't really say that she, she's always been very like generous with me and like she loves me to death, but not the most like uh, inspiring for me to keep going. She's kind of like, all right, that's good. That thing that you do, whatever it is, um, those, those things and the people that you hang out with on Instagram and whatever, she doesn't get the whole thing. So um, the internal dialogue is just kind of like sound them out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, they're never going to get it, but she does know that like, I'm not missing no meals. My bills are paid. I get to do nice things for my family. My future's taken care of. So it's not like that bad. Like she's not like, it's not like they have to have an intervention. But yeah, it's definitely um, something. Yeah. You know, when you're, you're constantly kind of explaining like, oh, I'm a financial coach and people are like, what is that? Or I'm a a business strategist. Oh, what is, what is that? You know, I'm a consultant. People right. It's like the most vague shit you can tell anybody. I'm, I'm a like, you know, just whatever. You're, you're not an ideal client. Why do you care? <laughs> um, so yeah, that you know I, that doesn't always feel like um, great. But then I'm also like, but like my life is great, and right? My money's great, and like my shit is great. So that's like really that's the kind of the thing that keeps the engine going for for me. 
Well, I think that's a really important message because I feel like so often we look for like external validation for the shit that we're doing. And sometimes like, girl, the only validation you need is the money in the bank. Like who gives a shit what anybody thinks about what you're doing? Like, I mean, when my mom sees me like food blogging, she's like, do you really get paid for this? I'm like, yes, mother. Would you like me to send you the receipts? Because the shit sounds like a fantasy. And sometimes I feel like it is, but it's really fucking not. So, like, don't be so caught up on trying to, like, get other people's approval of what you're doing. If it makes sense for you and it's paying your bills, like, girl, live your life. Yes, exactly. Like, it really, it's never going to be comfortable. There is a certain, you know, I don't know, like, in your job, I'm sure, I'm, like, certain that you've, you know, climbed the ladder. And with every bump up, you're kind of like, oh, my God, there's like a little bit more visibility, a little bit more responsibility. It's jarring. When you're out on your own, it's like all kinds of (laughs) Like I remember I was so stressed out the first week that I became a manager. I was like, yo, I am a total fucking like nut job. And I'm like, I didn't like be like, take myself seriously and like manage people. And like, freaked me out, but nothing freaks you out. Like the first time having to get on camera and just be like talking to people, you know, and no, that is a whole aspect. Like I still am at my job. Like why did y'all put me in charge of anybody? Like I can't even manage my own shit, but let's not talk about that. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's, it's crazy. So, and you know, that, that, that head trash just, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Celebrities talk about it. Yeah. It's so true. It doesn't matter how, what level of success you get. You're still going to have the internal critic telling you, girl, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Yep. Stop it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's really just kind of be like being with it and being like, ha, 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 that's you again. <laughs> being a dickhead and like whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I'm curious, like, what's your best advice for somebody who's ready to pivot or redirect their career that they're just like over? They want to do something completely different. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the one thing that I wish that I, not that I wish I had done, cause I don't, you know, I, I pretty much, I financially prepared myself pretty well to leave my job, but I do wish that maybe I had started on a side hustle to kind of dip my toe in the water. Um, I think that I found out, you know, that like there was this whole other digital world outside of the big e-commerce company that I was in. Um, that there was just so many little cogs in the wheel that could be filled. Um, And I was like, wow, there's so many tools to learn and so much of it is free. And like, this is so cool. So I, I wish that I had just like taken a little bit more time um, to see what was available to me. But I say that from a place of, cause I wish that I had that extra money when the IRS (laughs) came knocking. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. You can never be too prepared. You know what I mean? But I do think that's like a smart thing is like find out more and also find out what your job has available to you. I could have had so many more like certifications and classes and, you know, uh, just other benefits that I could have utilized that I just kind of like didn't even pay attention Mm -hmm. to because I was so focused on like I want to, you know, go do something else. Um, So like, yeah, milk the cow. Find out what is available there. Because I think that's also like a pretty um, solid way to go about just general like abundance in in our lives. Like look at what you're working with first before you're trying to move on. So, you know, the road to a million dollars starts with like a dollar, you know, right. 20 pounds starts with one pound. And I have such a and I still do. I can from time to time have such a black and white 
sense of things. And in my job, I was like, there's not going to be anything here for me to like learn or whatever. And I'm like, damn, I probably could have got like extra classes and extra training. And, you know, um, I don't know how much time I would have saved myself because it is different when you're on your own. You better figure everything out. Um, but I would say, see what you're working with, what's already available to you. Take some classes on like Google, take, uh, you know, a you know, set up a, a, a little website for yourself. Like see, see how you feel putting things out there and telling, you know, telling people, making it visible and saying, Hey friends, I made a thing. And it's a little bit embarrassing, but check it out anyway. I love that advice. I'm such a firm believer in using your main hustle to start a side hustle. Cause you have like stable income, right? Or you assume you have stable income. Um, yeah. and you can kind of invest that into this idea and kind of test it before you just pull the parachute and hope to not, you know, fall crashing down. Um, yep, exactly. Um, I was fortunate that I started making money within like two months of leaving, but that might not have been the case, mm -hmm. you know, and it was also the money got made from like a desperate place because of this other bill. So yeah, I could point to all the things that were going right and like good for me, but like all, you know, with, with finances, we know curveballs just like they're, they're coming. They're always yes. coming. Absolutely. That is great advice. And I feel like that sort of talks about what you said talks about like this idea of kind of abundance, right? Like you have to not go into an idea thinking that you're going to fail. Cause I feel like then you're just going to start channeling like this level of stress and putting more pressure on yourself than you have to. Like, I think before you even start on this whole journey to entrepreneurship, you really have to start believing that you are worthy of like generating your own income without anybody else being involved, like anybody else being like a job or a boss or some shit. You have to believe that first because that's how you're going to move in the world. You really do. And, you know, it's also somebody the other day, I was just so stuck on a project and I'm like, I just don't know how much further I can take this thing. And my husband's like, well, I mean, you stitch together like five different, you know, uh, programs and pieces of code and made this thing happen. It's like 80% good enough. So, right, you want to straddle a line between um, having something be good enough to launch and also being optimistic. And like as an entrepreneur, we just have to like sort of by virtue just be optimistic because you can't, you, you won't, you, you may end up harming yourself if you're just like, wow, this probably isn't going to go anywhere, but let me try it anyway. <laughs> like it just mm -hmm. doesn't even make sense. Like you have to kind of just really, really believe in the thing. Um, even if some of it is pumping yourself up and being like, I don't know, but I'm still going to fake it till I make it that I, that yeah. like, I, I believe in this thing. You going to figure that shit out because yeah. there's no other option. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it, and it's something that, um, it, it will be the thing that keeps you like really grounded and centered because there's not always going to be a lot of money. There's not always going to be, even, even once you've made it, there's, you know, there's peaks and valleys. Um, and the thing that you can come back to is something that nobody can take away from you. Like ultimately money can come and go, but like your rooted belief in yourself and being grounded and the ability to ground yourself is something that no one can ever take away from you. Mm, I love that. All right. So um, one of the things that we've bonded on over social media is this idea of 
you know, starting a business, meaning that you sign up for like uh, Avon or some other bullshit ass multi-level marketing company. And so I am a firm believer that all these companies are just out to fucking ruin your life, take your money and rip you off. And I know you feel the same way. So can you talk a little bit about like why women should steer clear of these damn Herbalifes and, uh, you know, multi-level marketing companies of the world? You know, you should stay away from them because first of all, like terrible people, like Donald Trump fucking was like, had some attachment to an MLM. So like, I don't want a whiff of that on me. Right. Right. Wasn't that like Trump university or some shit? No, no, there was like, there was like some kind of network marketing thing. It might've been Trump university. <laughs> so just like that alone. I'm like, ew. And also if you start to take a look around the room, you know, at these pitches, you see people who could be your aunt, who could be your grandmother, who could be your mother, your sister, your coworker. Um, you know, I find them to be very predatory towards like Southeast Asian, Latina, Black women. Like I, I just find, uh, you know, and for me, I'm like, what's up? You know what I mean? What's going on? And the ringleader doesn't always look like them. And I'm like, what's going on? This is like something that for me is already like I'm, I'm put off and any job that you go to doesn't tell you you have to pay them to work for them. Mm. Like, I'm like, no, you pay me. I think you're confused. Um, but look, they, they, I mean, these fucking, the bigger companies that run these things, they, you know, they're having the last laugh for sure. Um, there's also, you know, the, um, yeah, the other group that they prey on is like stay at home moms and military moms. And I'm just like, once you start to look at that, you're like, dude, you know, Something, something seems off. And then it's always like a fucking cult, you know, yes. like if you, if you counter with anything, they like bite back so hard. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, I, I don't get into it with a hun. Okay. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do this with these huns online. <laughs> anything that like, it, you know, anyone that's defending their business that hard. Um, well, they're, I say business with air quotes. Um, yeah, so those are those are just among some of the reasons, and also like the products are so ridiculously overpriced. And if you looked at why, you would know it's because they can't have like a bunch of inventory sitting on shelves, so they get mm. people to buy it, but they're not buying in bulk. They're not buying the way that people are buying from your, you know, the, the company that you work for, like the major consumer goods where they're buying thousands of product. You're selling individually; that right. margins are slim. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, but th- that's also that understandably that goes over people's heads. That's something that I know from sourcing products. And I didn't always know that. I just mm-hmm. was like, Oh, how, how do you make money when you pay $3 for something and no one wants to pay more than $6 for it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And they're just, uh, you know, they're cheesy. Can I just like be judgmental too? They're just cheesy. I mean, it's true. Like a lot of these companies are, swearing like that they've created like the next elixir that's gonna like you know make you stop aging or it's gonna make you lose 50 pounds or it's just like ridiculous claims around a lot of this shit and I I I agree with you I I really feel like they do target the most vulnerable populations among us and it's sad like I, I feel like we have to talk about this stuff because they're preying on our people and they're like destroying lives like 99% of the people that get involved with MLMs never actually make more than like a dollar y'all like it's crazy so i don't think you would like sign up for any kind of track record when it comes to any other aspect of your life that has that shitty of 
uh, you know, a statistic. So like, why would we, why would we get involved with this? Yes. And you know, it's just anything that you can't really like sort of explain how it's not like a pyramid scheme. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know that it's not easy for us to explain like being a business strategist or financial coach, but this is something different. (laughs) Right. I, I also don't tell people, you know, that, uh, that they need to purchase these products before they even get in the door with me. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's shady business. It has a reputation is on the FTC's headlines for a reason. And none of them are good. So yeah, be on the lookout y'all. If anybody's asking you for money to start a business, walk away. No, walk you get that away. that email from someone in high school that starts with, Hey boss, babe. Hey, hon. <laughs> delete, yes. Delete, delete. <laughs> I love that advice. Um, Carrie, so I'm curious, like now that you're out here living your best entrepreneurial life, how has that changed your relationship with money and how you move in the world? So that has allowed me to, as of this year, start making contributions to causes that I believe in a, a, a top line item in my budget which I thought was really fucking cool because I kind of used to look at that as like, well, whatever's left over and I donate my time. But like, we know that money is like, you know, it's the epicenter of everything. So that was really cool because I've been investing in the market now almost 10 years, you know, like not in the way that I'm investing in the last four to five years, but like all in. Um, So I'm like, you know, that's cool. It's amazing and I can, you know, increase it. But I think it's also, Janice, like that I know that my future me is secured and that window gets smaller and smaller, both in terms of my, you know, we're getting older every day. So I'm always getting closer to that, that date, but also then the amount that I, you know, that I need to have gets, you know, that grows. And when I get to access, it shrinks. And mm-hmm. that's so fucking cool to be like, yo, 65 is taken care of. Then like 55 is taken care of. And then it'll be 45. And I'm like, that's just so awesome that I'm like, we were able to create that. Like, our, I think the first couple months of this pandemic, I kind of moved through it like, okay, you know, like it sucked and it was stressful. And like, August was fucking rough for me. Like August mm-hmm. was, I, I was getting fucking hammered with like work then the bullshit with Instagram and then my husband being furloughed and I'm like I now have you know the ability to like take some downtime and be like yo I want to shut the world off further and like take some you know downtime and just like just do nothing and I can do that and that's amazing because that like hustle and stress on your body and all that like it's it's not great for you. I'll, I won't be able to have that, enjoy that money if I'm dead or if Yo, I, moon, or if I'm, you know, 400 pounds and can't get around. Cause I'm just sitting at my computer all day eating and, you know, stressed out. That's so damn true, yo. Like, I think that's the one thing about entrepreneurship that like, I can't harp on enough. It's like this control over your time. And especially if you build like passive income streams. And when I say like passive income streams, I'll give you examples of some of mine. So, you know, with my food blog, it basically just generates money on its own because there's ads hosted on it. So I'm legit getting like five, six, seven thousand dollar checks a month, like for having a website, just sitting there. Like well, I don't that, even have to that's why I'm, I'm booking that class with you. I'm, <laughs> booking that session with you. I'm trying to get like that. 
You know what I mean? Like, so the fact that like that I have that luxury literally gives me like this power to just not give a shit. Like if my job calls me tomorrow and it's like, yo, we, we eliminated your position. I'm going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? And like that kind of power, like it just elevates the way that you move in the world because you really are not letting money control you and like the decisions you make. You are like the ultimate fucking boss of your life. Yep. And I don't know that I would be so connected to that feeling if we weren't in the pandemic. Cause I'm like, well, pre pandemic, I, you know, I like to go on vacation. I like a little flex, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now I'm like, oh no, this is really the gift that I'm like, I can just fucking chill. Yes. Like, the I ultimate flex is being able to not do a motherfucking thing. Cause you don't have to. <laughs> yes. So that, um, you know, that is amazing. And yeah, just not like, also, I will say being able to, um, you know, to support other women to do the same. Like, I'm like, wow, I get to make money by digitally and financially empowering other women to do the same. And Mm -hmm. they will likely impart some of that to someone in their life. Like, I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Like, I I literally don't, when I hear people complaining about their boss and this is not, I do not look down on at all. Like people with the like, Oh, I don't want a nine to five. I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, Oh, excuse me. Sometimes it's very fucking overrated too. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, but sometimes I'm lonely and I'm stressed out. Right. Um, My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So I'm- yeah, this shit is legit 24-7. Like, don't get no. it fucking twisted. Exactly, exactly. But I'm like, you know, it is so nice to like, not have to think about like a boss. Like, yeah. I'm like that, that, that part is really, and not, no knock on my old boss. It's just like, I don't want to be thinking about them in that way. There's a trade off to everything, right? You can either have like the comfort and stability and security of a, like a nine to five. And I would say like comfort and stability in air quotes at this point, because we really, there's a lot of people out here with the, like jobs that are putting them at risk and you know, they have no choice but to do them because they need to do that to support their families. And shout out to all our first responders and essential workers because y'all are the real MVPs. But at the same time, like, you know, you are sacrificing a certain level of freedom and control over your life by having that type of role. Whereas, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, yeah, you're going to be hustling all the time. You're going to be working more than you've ever worked because at the end of the day, if you don't earn that money, guess who's not eating? But, you know, there's a cost. There's a cost to every choice. And it's just about figuring out which cost you're willing to pay. Yes, exactly. Emotional dollars, dollar yes. dollars. Um, so yeah, the the way that, I, you know, I, I used to be so fucking stressed out about money all the time. 
you know, just like everything. Like, like when I went through, you know, the financial crisis, like it literally, I was, I was like, how, like what, what the fuck is being an adult? It was mm-hmm. very challenging. And when I look back, I'm like, I didn't even really have big challenges. I had some like student loan debt. Okay, sure. Me and like everyone else, you know, right. but it, it, it was, it was my relationship to it. Um, yeah. And it was the reality that like, I didn't have, like back then I was like, no, I, you know, figure it out. So that, mm-hmm. that's just so nice. Cause uh, you know, I, I know that like a lot of people, not even just in this country, like globally, like they don't, you know, they just, they don't have that. So peace of mind is, it's great. It's a big deal. Worth it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I want to ask this last question before we wrap this up. And I love getting um, responses from all my guests because it uh, is definitely the most inspirational, I think, question that we, we offer to folks. So for somebody who is, you know, in this entrepreneurship space, obviously channeling like money and abundance is a big thing. So how do you do that? Do you have a mantra? Like what do you say or like what do you affirm to yourself to channel success in your business? You know, I do have like a very simple, just straightforward affirmation to myself that I am an unstoppable, inspiring and generous leader and Mm. like more than enough to, to figure out what I need to figure out. But I also couple it with like writing down what is the fucking hardest thing that I've been through and coupling it side by side with what I think I'm going through right now. And I say I think because separating facts from, you know, from the story that we're making up in our head is like crucial, right? Because, mm. you know, we we awfulize and make things catastrophize shit. And it's just so you know, nine times out of 10, it's not actually happening. And when we do need, like the first day that COVID broke out, I was like, dude, we've got the water, the masks, the this, the that, like anyone can jump into action when we're in survival mode, but it's that day-to-day shit that will wear you down. And mm. ultimately it could kill you, you know, stress and things like that. Those are killers. Um, so yeah, I remind myself that I am an unstoppable, inspiring, generous leader. And then I start the list of what is the hardest thing that you've been through? How does this stack up to that? And it's usually I'm embarrassed. By the time. I'm like, yo, you are nothing but fucking drama. And you know, I start to like laugh at myself a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's just you. I love that. Sometimes we need to get that perspective because when you're in it, like it can feel like the end of the world, but you got to remember like all the shit that you've been through and that you have survived and you have thrived. So like it is, it's good to remind yourself of that. I love that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Carrie. So where can we find out more about you and follow your journey? All right. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram. If you look up Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y. Deliz, D is in David, E is in Edgar, L I Z is in Zebra. My handle is at Carrie Four F O R Mayor, but I'm not going into politics. Um, and then my my website CarrieDeliz.com, um, and I am on LinkedIn, LinkedIn.com forward slash Carrie Deliz. And if you Google Carrie Deliz, various you know various articles and and th- interesting things about me and my website will come up. I love it. This combo has been so inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing all of your entrepreneurial and your money knowledge. I think people are going to get a kick out of this conversation. And I think you're definitely going to leave some people inspired to, you know, 
Stop letting fear control their decisions because that shit ain't going to get you nowhere. It's time to time to be brave and to handle your shit and start living your dreams. Totally. 2020 is going to be scary anyway. So like, let's just go for broke. And I don't mean broke in your pockets. I mean, just go all in. Like just, it's going to, it's going to be fucked up and scary anyway. So why not just go for the thing? Cause you, you know, you choose your level of scary. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I hope you're super inspired by this episode. It left me feeling like we all need to remind ourselves that it is absolutely fine and better than fine. It's absolutely necessary for you to take a good look at your life and decide if what you're doing right now is just not serving you anymore. Maybe that job is just not for you anymore. Maybe that career is not for you anymore. Maybe those bad money habits aren't for you anymore. And it's okay. You can make a change. You can decide right now that you're going to do something different and that you're going to take things into your own hands. And maybe that involves becoming your own boss. So until next time, guys, stay super freaking inspired. Stay motivated. Stay fabulous. And stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.